Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Tuesday, April the 5th, 2022. It is currently 4.39 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from Abilene, Texas. Now, I probably should just stop right there because I don't think anyone can be offended by that introduction, right? I, I don't think I don't think there's anything in that introduction that anyone should be upset about. There's nothing in that introduction that someone should be bothered about. Now, there, there, there's probably something in their introduction that someone could complain about. Well, I don't like the way you say this. You speak too loud. You don't speak loud enough. Okay, I understand that. But I don't think there should be anything controversial about that introduction, right? This is the Theology Central podcast where we hope to make theology central. Is that a controversial idea? Do you think making theology central to everything, do you think that's controversial? Now, I think the initial reaction to most Christians would be, no, theology should be central until you look at a a very, how, how can we say this, controversial subject. Let's not even say it that way. You look at a you look at a subject that is very much a part of some people's lives, and then you try to look at that perspective, look at that thing from a theology central perspective, from a theological perspective. And it's amazing how quickly they'll be like, whoa, 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 no, 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 I disagree, I disagree. And they'll immediately disagree. And I'm just like, well, what are you disagreeing about? I'm trying to look at it from a theological perspective, and your arguments coming at back at me sound like you want to look at it from a cultural perspective, maybe a geographical perspective based off where you, where you were born and where you were raised. You want, you want me to look at it from a political perspective, but I'm not here to look at it from a political perspective. I'm not here to look at it from a cultural perspective. I'm not here to look at it based off the geographical region in which you live. I'm here to look at things from a philological perspective. So, For the next, I don't know, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, ever how long this takes, we are going to look at the subject of guns from a theological perspective. Now, we all know that within the culture, there's lots of debate and there's constant division whenever it comes to the subject of guns. Now, what happens, things kind of follow, there's an ebb and flow to it, right? It's like a roller coaster, right? So, so you can have those periods of time where there doesn't seem to be a lot of arguing. There's not a lot of debating. And all, all we need is a, a mass shooting to occur, a big shooting to occur. And then immediately everyone starts arguing and yelling about their perspective. But as I want, and Christians will jump right into the middle of those arguments, right? About gun ownership and the second, you know, the second amendment and, and just everything about gun ownership. And in many cases, when I see everyone debating, right, I I see the political perspectives, I see the cultural perspectives, I see the geographical perspectives, because a lot of it will be based off where a person is raised, but I don't see, in most cases, a theological perspective even considered. And I think there is one very important theological truth that gets completely ignored, completely overlooked when it comes to a discussion about guns. So here's what I'm going to do. Before I read the news article, 
I'm going to start with the theological truth. I'm going to start with the theological truth, and I'm going to ask you a question. Have you ever considered this theological truth, this theological reality, and, and then, then connect it? Or, or let me say, say it this way. Have you ever thought of guns in relation to the theological truth I'm about to give you? Because again, when, whenever people start, a, a mass shooting happens, and it's it literally, I mean, It'll be minutes and people will be on social media, pro-gun, anti-gun, gun control, no gun control. We need more people with guns. And, it's a, and everyone starts yelling and, and Christians are right there in the middle of it. And again, I don't think, and I always want to raise my hand and go, has anyone thought about this theological truth and how it relates to guns? And almost the minute I, I bring it up, typically people look at me like, you're out of your mind, you're crazy. But I, I, I no, theology should be the way we look at stuff. Correct? Shouldn't it be? I, I, I think it should be. Here we go. Here's the theological truth. You should know this theological truth. Hopefully it's taught in your church on a regular and consistent basis. All right? This theological truth. There are two words. The first one is total. The second one is depravity. Total depravity. Total depravity. A good way to understand total depravity would be this. It comes directly from the Bible. You ready? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it. Here we go. Directly from the Bible. The heart, speaking of the human heart, every human heart, every person who has ever been born on this earth other than Jesus Christ, because it was a virgin birth and he was the eternal son of God, but every human being who's ever been born on this earth. This is true of them. I guess you could, well, Adam and Eve were created, so I guess a, li a little different. They weren't born. Every, every person born of a woman other than Jesus who was born of a virgin, right? So all the rest of us, this is true. Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart, the human heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. All of us are sinners by nature. We don't become sinners by sinning. We sin because we are sinners. Sinners are, is what we are by nature. We are by nature sinners. And because we are sinners by nature, then what we do is sin. Our, our, our heart is wicked. Our heart is deceitful. We are totally depraved. That is what we are, totally depraved. Some other scriptures that, that you will get this idea. Uh, we, we could go to, I mean, there's a bunch of places we could go. We could go to the book of Ephesians. We could go to the book of Ephesians, right? Our heart is, is desperately wicked, is deceitful above all things. We could go to the book of Ephesians and we could read this. Ephesians chapter two, verse one. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. By nature, we are all dead in our trespasses and sin, all right? That's, that's true. Who, uh, and, and this is very important. Even when we become saved, that depravity, that sinful nature remains inside of us. It is still there. We still have that sinful nature. Therefore, we continue to sin. 
I don't care how godly you attempt to be. I don't care how godly you strive to be. I don't even care how godly you think you are. That depravity is still inside of you, still corrupting, still producing sin in your life, and still corrupting even the good things you do is still, in a sense, infected and corrupted and by it. It still influences even the good things you do. That sin remains with us all the way to the point of glorification. We will receive a new body, and therefore all sin is removed. Uh, that sinful nature is completely gone. That's when glorification. But now, even after your salvation, you are still a sinner and you will still sin. We still have that depravity in us. Right? So we, we are all born totally depraved dead in trespasses and sin with a heart that is desperately wicked and deceitful above all things. And we could go, I could go on and add more and more scripture to demonstrate this. That's the theological reality. Now, again, here's the question. That theological truth, that theological reality, have you ever considered it when it comes to gun ownership? When it comes to owning guns, do you ever think, well, how does, how does this fit with the concept of total depravity? Now, here's the reason I I bring it up, all right? Here's the reason I always bring it up. So, from a Christian perspective, should we say, you know what we need? We need everyone possibly to own a gun. But we would be saying people who are dead in their trespasses and sins, people who are totally depraved, they should own guns, as many guns as possible. Now, some people will argue, no, 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 yes, because people are totally depraved, that's why we need a gun. Right? So we need a gun to protect us from all the totally depraved people. But if you're the one owning the gun, you have a sinful nature. You have depravity inside of you as well. So you can't simply say, well, I want a gun to protect me from the depraved people because you're one of the depraved people. So exactly how do we process this from a theological perspective? Now, typically what people revert to, I'll start arguing it from a political perspective or a very American perspective, right? People from other countries don't quite argue the same way because they don't, they're not born in a country that's so pro-gun, gun, 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 like in the United States of America and especially in some states. I mean, I'm broadcasting to you from Texas. I mean, almost every person I've ever met who's born and raised in Texas, they own probably more than one gun. They probably own two, three, four guns. Owning guns is just what people in Texas do, right? But again, I don't, I don't want to look at it from a Texan perspective. I don't want to look at it from an American perspective. I don't want to look at it from a Republican perspective. I don't want to look at it from the pers- perspective of the National Rifle Association. I don't want to look at it from the perspective of those who are anti-gun because they, they maybe hold to a liberal political view. I'm thinking about it from a theological perspective. Does it make any sense to tell everyone... People are totally depraved, dead in their trespasses and sins. Before salvation, they are children of the devil. They are, they are completely corrupt. They are all gone astray. They're all sinful. Yet we want them all to own as many guns as possible. That to me sounds like a possible contradiction where we say one thing, like it's almost like total depravity is a theoretical. We don't look at total depravity in, in, in a practical way. Like we keep it in the theoretical, but we don't want to bring it over into the world of the practical because the practical to me would be like, I don't know if I'm so pro-gun now. 
I don't, I don't know. Do I want every total depraved person to have three guns and 100 rounds of ammunition? Do, do I really want that? Is that a, is that a good thing? I, I think you would have to at least stop and go, well, well wait a minute. I don't, I'm not so sure about this. I'm, I'm not so sure about this. And here's the reason I'm bringing this up today. Right now, I know immediately some of you are already starting to argue. That's okay. Look, look, you can you can get upset. You can send me, you know, nine hundred emails telling me no, no guns, 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 guns. It's amazing how many Christians just like just like doctrine of the Trinity are guns, guns. We need a we. Who cares about the doctrine of the Trinity? We got to figure out this. We got to make sure that no one takes away our gun rights. And many Christians, one of the major things that will decide how they're going to vote in an election will be on whether someone supports gun ownership or wants to restrict gun ownership. And I've always found that like, is that, would that be a Christian? Like as a Christian, one of the major concerns I have when voting is ensuring that someone isn't going to take away my guns. And I'm always kind of like, I don't, is that a biblical? And I know someone's going to send me the path. Well, Jesus told them to sell what they had and buy a sword. Okay. We, we, we could really look at that because, yeah, we could really look at that situation. I, I think that's a, a million miles away from what people try to use it for, but that's, but that's okay. But still, is that like, make sure you have a gun, right? And, and I've seen people post photographs of like this or, or pictures of this on social media where it'd be like, you know, a gun, a Bible, you need, you need, we need guns, we need Bibles and we need Jesus. And I'm like, I'm not, I think if we have the Bible and Jesus, I think maybe we would have a possibly different perspective on guns. So, but the minute I say that, someone's going to say, you're a commie, you're a socialist, you're a liberal, you're trying to, de- you're a Marxist, you're trying to destroy the country, you're probably Antifa. And it's like, uh, no, I'm just trying to think of it from a theological perspective. But here's here's why I'm thinking this way today, all right? Here's the news article that I saw early this morning. California adults who live with a gun owner face twice the risk of death by homicide. California adults who live with a gun owner, face twice the risk of death by homicide. A new study of California shootings finds that people who live with a gun with gun owners are twice as likely to die by homicide. Now, that's that, that, that immediately makes me, well, wait a minute. Everyone says, no, 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 no. We need a gun. We need a gun. We need a gun because it will protect us. But if everyone in the home is totally depraved, will it be the, the source of protection Or will it be the source of one's demise? Here's how the article begins. If I can get back to it, here we go. It is a belief that helped drive a historic rise in U.S. firearm sales and first-time gun owners during the COVID-19 pandemic. Having a handgun at home for personal protection will make you safer. Groundbreaking new research conducted over a 12-year period in California shows that the opposite is actually true. And I'm putting the word actually there. Between October 2004 and the end of 2016, adults in the state who didn't own a gun but took up residence with someone who did were much more likely to die a violent death than people in households without a handgun, researchers from Stanford University found. Now, let me make it very clear. The research would have to be looked at. The research may prove 
to stand scrutiny. The research may crumble under scrutiny. I don't know. What I'm saying is when I read it, at least, once again, it made me think of, well, people are totally depraved, right? I mean, if I truly believe in total depravity, then I would understand, well, there's a great chance that this would happen. You you put to, you give guns to people who are totally depraved, there's a good chance that in their depravity, they will use said gun in a possible sinful way. Am I saying, and again, total depravity doesn't mean that every person is going to do every sinful thing that they can do in their lifetime. It doesn't mean that. It just means they're totally depraved and even their good is tainted by sin. But it does demonstrate that the potential of all sin is within every single one of us. Whatever sin it is, the potential for you to commit that sin, it's inside of you. It's in, your heart is desperately wicked. Now, if now look, if if you're a if you are believe in semi-Pelagianism or Pelagianism and you don't believe in total depravity, or you believe somehow that when a person becomes a Christian, the old nature is completely eradicated, well then obviously you're going to argue with me. But if you truly believe in total depravity like I do, because I think it's the one doctrine that can be proven over and over and over, look at 2,000 years of church history, look at human history, total depravity is on display every single day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, just watch the news. So I believe total depravity is a real thing. I do believe that that sinful nature remains in, in all of us, even saved, until we are glorified. So that means the potential for every sin, every sexual sin, murder, it doesn't matter. It's inside of me. So when I hear research, hey, they, they demonstrated that if, that if you live with someone who owns a gun, you're much more likely to die a violent death than people in households without a handgun. Now, of course, some people will send me articles about people who have been saved because of someone with a gun. I, look, I'm not denying that in any way, shape, or form. I'm just simply saying, how should the doctrine of total depravity impact my view on something like guns? It has to have some, it has to, like most Christians just say, well, you know, they just dismiss it. Like it, it, it shouldn't have any impact. I need my guns. I want my guns. I want to be able to carry my guns when I go to Walmart. I want a, I want an open carry permit. I want a concealed carry permit. I want, I want to be able to have everything in my, my, because I need guns. And I've always found it interesting that sometimes the people who are most pro-gun are people who live out literally in the middle of nowhere. You say, why do you have so many guns? To protect my family. I'm like, you literally live in the middle of nowhere. Are you worried about a gang of cows breaking in at 2 a.m. to try to kill your family? I'm like, really? I mean, like, the crime rate in your area is, I think, less than 0%. Like, sometimes it's people in the country who say they need guns to protect their family, and they act like they live in a war zone. I'm like, do you? Do, do you live in Ukraine? I'm, what, 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 what's going on there? But it's it's sometimes it's just a people are so committed to guns that they never stop to go. How does this really fit with my theology? They go on to say, those who lived with a handgun owner were almost twice as likely to die by homicide as their neighbors without guns. The researchers found. 
More specifically, adults who live with the owner of a handgun were almost three times more likely to be killed with a firearm than Californians and households where no handguns were present. In addition, people who lived with a gun owner and were killed in their houses were especially likely to die at the hands of a spouse or other intimate partner. Among the 866 homicide victims who died in their homes during the period studied cohabitant, cohabit, cohabit, cohabits, people who cohabited with um, a, a handgun owner were seven times more likely than adults from gun-free homes to have been killed by someone who supposedly loved them. That's crazy. In other words, not only are you twice as likely to die, you're seven times more likely to be killed by someone who supposedly loves you. You're likely to be killed by the person who lives in the home with you who owns the gun. That, that's crazy. Now, again, I want, the, I want these statistics to be looked at. They, I want them to be criticized. I want them to be, I want them to be challenged. Maybe this holds up. Maybe it doesn't hold up. But it, again, reminds me because people are going to completely miss the point of this. This is one of these episodes. I can't even wait to see my email inbox. It's going to be completely, people are going to misrepresent what I'm saying. I'm saying that when I read this, it, to me, plays out in a way that is consistent with the reality of total depravity. It's just, that's the way it, that's the way it plays out because total, people are totally depraved. So everyone has this, this, sinful nature who could do sinful things and possibly using a gun would have to show up a lot a lot of the time not every time but a lot of the time now maybe these statistics will be completely thrown out and they'll prove something contrary to it but even if you prove something contrary to it the reality is still there according to god's word we're sinners with a sinful nature and we tend to be self, we seem to be selfish, not selfless. We seem to care about ourselves, worship ourselves, serve ourselves, try to please ourselves, and we have a tendency to begin angry, upset. I mean, what? There are all kinds of horrible things. I mean, the, every horrible sin you can imagine, the potential for it is inside of you because of your depravity. Now, what many Christians will say, and I see this all the time, is, well, here's the thing. The only way to stop a bad person with a gun is you need a good person with a gun. Okay, but there is none good. No, not one. So are you the good person? And it's amazing that every person who says that thinks that they are the good person. (laughs) They perceive themselves to be morally superior, and so they should have a gun so that they can stop all of the bad people with a gun because they perceive themselves to be good, which then goes into question, do they even acknowledge that they have a sinful nature? I wonder, I think when it comes down to it, I wonder how many Christians actually believe in total depravity. I wonder if Pelagianism and semi-Pelagianism has so captured the church that we've really thrown out the total, the doctrine of total depravity and leave it to Christians to say, we're the moral ones, we should own the guns. Leave it, leave it to Christians to think that way. I'm the moral one, I should own a gun. Okay, well, you can think that way. So I just want to I just want I just wanted to bring this to everyone's attention. You can read the whole story. It's posted currently. The first place I saw it was in the Los Angeles Times. You can probably find it anywhere. The headline: California adults who live with a gun owner faces twice the risk of death by homicide. And again, 
and, And it sounds like you increase your chance of being killed by the person in your home which is just crazy to think about. I'm going to have the gun to protect the person I'm with, and you end up using the gun to hurt the person you're with. But just think of how many times we hurt the people we love with our words and actions and attitudes, even without a gun, because of our sinful nature. So what what, what does a gun possibly add to it? How should the, the, the doctrine of total depravity impact your view of guns? Now, that's the specific question. Let me ask a bigger question. Do you honestly think that your theological beliefs have a profound impact on how you see practical things? Does your theological truth actually impact the way you see practical things? Or do you have a way of placing your theological truth like in your, in your, in, 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 you know, in a box, and it's only to be taken out of the box and considered on Sunday during a sermon. And as soon as church is over, you put it back in the box and put it in the trunk of your car because you don't really need it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. See, that's really the bigger issue I'm trying to get at, is how does our theology impact the way we see practical things? How does theology impact the way we see everyday things? It doesn't matter whether it's abortion, whether it's gun control, whether it's immigration, whatever the subjects are, I think so many times Christians don't really look at it from a theological perspective. Now, they will run to the Bible and try to rip a couple of verses out of context to try to prove their point, right? They will do that. They will do that. But that's that's not how we we handle things. We we have to consider not just a couple of again. Everyone will run to well. Jesus told them to buy swords. Okay, first of all, what what kind of swords were they? What were they used for? They only ended up I think with two out of for the twelve. I think it's I think I think he's referencing the twelve disciples. He tells Peter to put away the sword because Peter had a sword. And what did he end up doing? Using it in an incorrect way. Trying to and he chopped off someone's ear. Right. So you could say, was that those quote-unquote swords more used as tools that they may need for doing other things? Were they weapons of, of, of some kind of self-defense? And why, why did they only get a couple to defend everybody? Hey, we, we only need one or two. That's all we need. Really? That, that's all you need? So um, there could be lots of questions asked about that. But again, people will just try to see, here's a verse. And, well, what about total depravity? What about total depravity? What about total depravity? Because again, Peter ended up with a sword and he and he gets rebuked because he used it in an incorrect way. I mean, you could make an argument there as well. But the bigger question, let me state it again. The bigger question is and will always be, am I using my theology to see the world from a theological perspective? Or am I simply using my theology so that I can get answers right in Sunday school? It should have a profound impact on everything I see in the news, everything around me. And sadly, I think we tend to be more influenced by the culture, by politics, and where we live than we do theology. All right? I'm going to check. I'm going to check here. The uh, part of the software here has not been showing up Okay, good. Um, some of the comments people are leaving are not showing up here on my computer, so I have to look it up on my iPad to make sure. So nobody's asked a question. I know it's going to be somewhat controversial, 
please, I'm not, I'm not here to argue with you about gun control. I'm not here to argue about that. What I'm here to do is to say, should total depravity impact your view? That, that's it. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm putting forth. I think it should have some impact. I think it should. I, I, think, that's, I think that's reasonable. Right. I've, I've look. I've often said this. I, I, I apply. Uh, I apply. I'll, I'll, I'll say this. I often, and, and this is another reason. I have very negative feelings towards alcohol. Like negative, negative. Ne- I hate alcohol. Hate it. Hate it. Twenty-two years working in the medical world, seeing it utterly, absolute destroy lives. You, you, you end up with domestic, dis, uh, you know, violence, any kind of domestic violence, usually alcohol, somewhat related things happening to, to women at a party, alcohol's involved. You just go on and on and on, Al- drinking and driving, alcohol, alcohol, destruction, 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 broken families, broken this, broken that, addiction, alcoholism. It's just pain, 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 destruction, 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 everywhere around me, right? And I know I will get Christians say, well, the Bible doesn't condemn drinking, and I understand that. I, so I can't see it as a sin, but I can say this. Alcohol, which can impair judgment, impair your ability to think rationally, can lower your inhibitions. Here's the substance. I can drink this because the Bible doesn't necessarily con- it condemns getting drunk, may not necessarily condemn drinking. But if I bring in this doctrine of total depravity, so I'm going to take a substance in my body that could lower my inhibitions, mess up my ability to think correctly, and I'm totally depraved. Total depravity and alcohol seems like a really bad mix, especially in 2022 when I have a million options of drinking all kinds of things with zero alcohol content. So why not just avoid it so that I don't, I've got enough problems with my own sin inside of me. I don't need alcohol to help. I don't need alcohol in any way, shape, or form because I don't need anything that could possibly help or contribute to my sinful nature doing more damage than it already does. See, so to me, like I I even bring in total depravity even to discuss alcohol. Does the Bible say it's wrong to drink? I can't say that. What I can say is think about alcohol in relationship to total depravity. Can I say the Bible would absolutely forbid you to own a gun? I can't say that, but I can say consider it in light of total depravity. There's a lot of issues I can. Does the Bible say I can't do this? I'm, I'm not. I may not be able to say that. Consider it in light of total depravity. I think it just has to be a part of our thinking. That's all I was. It's just so weird that Christians are so. In many cases, many conservative Christians are so pro-gun, and they're supposed to be the ones who are so pro the doctrine of total depravity. And I just like, I've never understood how it, so everyone's totally depraved and you want everyone to own a gun. It just, to me, it just seems like a contradiction. It just seems like a contradiction. That That's, that's all I'm trying to say. I, I'm, I'm trying my best to make sure I say it every way possible because I know someone's going to misunderstand. And it's just a challenge for me constantly to take my theology and see if I'm actually applying it to my life correctly. And you know what? A lot of times I'm inconsistent with my theology. A lot of times I am. Plenty of times. On multiple subjects. Just so are you. We, it's easy to have the theology. It's really hard to take the theology and like, okay, now let's get practical with it. All right. What is my the- well, how would my theology cause me to view this subject? 
That's that's where I wanted you to get to. I don't want you to get caught up on the guns. I want you to get caught up on the issue of theology must be applied, must be central to everything we think about every area of life. All right. We'll see what happens. You can email me your disagreements to newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. I, no one start yelling at me. I'm not calling for someone to come take. I know, I know gun owners get really paranoid that everyone's going to break in and take their guns from them and they get really upset. I've even seen Christians basically threaten, if you're going to try to take my gun, well, I'm, you know, I'll, I'll fight back. And it's like, you're, you're willing to kill a human being creating the image of God if they're possibly going to take your gun? Yeah, I think that's right up there with, uh, you know, what Jesus would do. Yeah, sometimes Christians say crazy things about guns. I mean, literally, like, you're just like, I don't even know if you're, I don't think we're a part of the same religion. It's just r- crazy sometimes where people go. But that's because they allow their politics, they allow their culture, they allow culture to so influence them that they're no longer influenced by their theology. And that's an important point that we've been making on a number of other broadcasts about other things, but I'll stop right there. All right. Um, thank you for listening. I'll try to be back here on the air here shortly. We'll see. We're going to do a couple of things this evening and this afternoon. Uh, so we'll see what we can get done. All right. Thanks for listening. God bless.